turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. The time, 613. Two lines open for class. If you need to get in class so you can graduate, give us a call, one 367 5329 We are addressing the classical question. Will God give you more than you can handle? Does God take pleasure in your trials? Does he take pleasure in your falls? Does he expect you to overcome your trials? And we're trying to distinguish between common sayings and phraseology that are often used in the church by church folk at times that can be extremely precarious and yet not also not always biblical. The callers who have called in have done a great job thus far. Let's go to Vic in Oakland on line four, line three, rather. Vic, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, are um, you, how are you, Vic? Well, I'm, I'm, I've been praying, asking God to show me to the experientiality, but yet I ask for the Holy Spirit to help me because people are listening. And, and um, Well, all you have to do is two things. Okay. Just just be sincere and honest. All right. And then cut your radio down. That's the other thing you can do. Oh, my radio's in the kitchen. I'm in the living room. I can hear it in the kitchen, Victoria. But I have to go far to turn it uh, down. Everybody on the planet know that I don't like to listen to myself. Oh, so so um, can you wait? Because it, it's going to take a minute, I mean, for me to get there. <laughs> Go ahead on. Go ahead on. Tell me what you want to say. I'll, I'll endure. Uh, I'm so sorry. Okay, I got my my mouth to the to the speakerphone. No, go ahead on. Go ahead on. Go ahead okay. on. All right, we'll I, endure. I'm a widow, a barren widow, and when I was stripped from a man that I depended on all my life, because we were married for 38 years, and mm-hmm. I had been with him since I was six. Mm-hmm. but known him for 45, met him at 14, so he was my full sustenance of really leaning in on a, a marriage, only to learn that when I was stripped from this, and it was time where the season was over, a marriage that should not have stood, but it, it was kept by God for the salvation of his soul and others so forth, yeah. As I was called to be learning that I could win him to the Lord through First Peter 3. So in my submission of the suffering of being stripped, barren, in every which way of mm-hmm. does God give us more than we can handle? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because I must go deep onto deep in the deeper waters of the prospering of my soul. That is no person, place, or thing that I seek but the power of the Holy Spirit through Christ who is inside of me and sealed me as his bride. So when I think of who really suffered, yes, I think of Job when I tried to bring it into understanding the sufferings in the stories of the Bible. But when I think of Isaiah 53, that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, you know, bruised for our inequities, 
And for me, bruising is inwardly that comes out upon the skin. I cannot explain mm-hmm. the sufferings of where it pleased God that he had put the sins of the world upon his Son, our Savior, who loved us and did not open his mouth nor complain, that I seek deeper, saying, Holy Spirit, draw me close, draw me deeper into knowing that my, I live and breathe and have my being through God and in the power of he that is inside of me is greater than he that is in this world. Let me focus. Let me look. Let me know that I know that I know it doesn't matter what the not fitting in this world because I'm not of this world. I'm caught out of darkness into light. That whatever it is, Lord, it is your will, your perfect will to be done in my life that I seek. That I must obey you no matter what. Are you giving me uh, a chastening? Are you? What do you want to show me, Lord? Because Jesus never complained or opened his mouth in the manner of what he had to go through for me. And when he was saying to the disciples, be of good cheer, for he's overcome the world, because he reminded them there's going to be trials, tribulations, and no matter the temptation, all I know is this. I pick up a cross and willingly obey and say, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can do all things because of you and what you've done. And I am willing to obey. Teach me. Teach me that it's not about me. Because my response is what is what I look for. Is God pleased in what he sees in me? Is God pleased in what he hears from me? All that matters is your supernatural, perfect love casts out all fear. And I will grow in your grace, willing to be teachable. Call me in the humble clothing or the garment of humility, so I may have the garment of praise and the oil of of joy. And all I know is this, Lord, for your glory, honor, and praise, I bow down as a willing wife submitted to you in Jesus' name to come alongside the hurting, to come alongside the poor, that they know that they know this true perfect law is the light that shines in the individual inwardly and outwardly for God's glory. Amen. Pray. Sounds good to me. Thank you. Sounds good to me, Victoria. Sounds good to me. Are you doing okay? Yeah, I just, I can't do life without him. And I just, I just, no matter what, the pain, mm-hmm. the peace of God surpasses all comprehension and will guard my mind and my heart in Christ Jesus. Because there is suffering, mm-hmm. and there are tears in the valley. But all I know is one day he will wipe those tears, and my job is not finished here. That mm-hmm. I must not think of me, but think of others, and say, have your way, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will take over, because that's all I desire, is to be pleasing to you, my Father. So I must be submitted daily. And I would say, Father, it is lonely in the earth, but I need nothing to ever come above you because you have been my first love more deeper than ever that I know. I know 
you will always be my first love. So I weep deep because I go into the deep and know this perfect love casts out all fear. The fear of rejection or abandonment or not fitting in. But knowing I'll live, I live and have my being willfully submitted to God. So I cry and I go deep because there is suffering. Jesus did it at the cross. I must pick up my cross. But there's a joy deep through the pain and the anointing of knowing he will never leave me. No Thank you, Victoria. Thank you. Thank you very much. Got to take a break. When I come back, Arbus and Wanda. Two lines open, one 367 Victoria gave us a lot to think about. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. One line open, one 367 Very fascinating responses and and uh, and answers by all of our callers thus far. Let's go to line number one and talk with Arbus in Oakland. Arbus, are you there? Hi, Pastor Jesse. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. How are you? I'm good. Um, um, I'm calling with my car phone, so I hope it's on my car phone, so I hope you can hear me. Yeah, you're okay so far. Okay, so um, I heard the call, the question, and I've been hearing everybody's response, but I kind of think um, the opposite. Like, so far, everyone has been saying that, yes, God will put more on you than you can bear. Right. But I believe, um, um, I believe that he will not. Um, and the reason why I believe that way is um, because of 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, and if I'm taking the scripture out of context, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. We sure it will. Says, it says, there has no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. So um, according to that scripture, I believe that what God's word says and um, although what comes on us may feel like we can't bear it, but who are we to say what we can and cannot bear? You know, I don't, I don't think, I don't know how much I can bear. I know that whatever I'm bearing sometimes is not pleasurable and I don't enjoy it. And for myself, it seems like too much, but I'm not God. So I can't say, um, oh, that's too much for me to bear, um, well, that's my thoughts on that. Okay. So what I would say is that you probably are not looking at that verse carefully enough mm-hmm. because the verse is not laying out kind of a simplistic proposition. It actually lays okay. out a number of modifiers in relationship to um, to its primary statement that God will not give you more than you can bear, but with that temptation give you a way by which you can escape in order that you might be able to bear up under it. Meaning that God does not expect you merely to uh, endure all trials in a way that does not cause you to collapse. That God definitely does not see his people always handling their trials. Right. What happened to Peter when he fell under a trial that was merely the accusation of a little uh, serving girl saying that Peter was a Galilean just like Jesus and Peter lied 
and cursed and said, I'm not. That was a trial that Jesus said he was going to actually um, succumb to. Remember? Mm -hmm. So did he bear up under that trial? No, he collapsed. How come? Um, He collapsed because in his own strength, he couldn't, um, or because of fear. Okay. But the way you were framing Paul's commentary in 1 Corinthians 10 is as if he should have had the strength within him to do it. Okay. Um, uh, what about David? That's what, that's what I was saying. That's what I was saying. If I'm if I'm reading it wrong or I'm taking it out of context, mm-hmm. you can help me because when I read it, um, and I don't want to get myself confused, but um, um, I when I read it, I believe that the like if something happened to me, I believe that God He wouldn't. Um, Put more on me that I can bear. Um, let me see. I think I'm drawing a blank. Can you help me? Yeah, that's what I'm here for, girl. <laughs> I just drew a blank, Pastor Jesse. That's I didn't right. mean to get confused. Yeah, that's all, no, no, no. We're in class. We're in class. You know, okay. you've been you've been with me for a long time. So as your mom, so you know that um, passages of scripture are not as point blank as they often appear. And you are a classic example right now, Arbus, of um, the mistake that people have a tendency to make employing that particular verse without really looking through how that verse is framed. If, in fact, we look at 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 10 very carefully, and I'm going to scoot over there so that we can look at it together and make sure we understand where the mistake is often made, and then to overcome it, what uh, God says, uh, what Paul says in verse uh, 12 and 13, where, wherefore, let him that thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. Now, the whole chapter from verse one to chapter to from verse one to uh, chapter 10 to verse 12 is a warning not to depend upon your own strength. That's the whole warning. So when we get to verse 12, wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. This applies to every believer in the Old Testament all the way up to Peter where they thought that they could handle a trial in their own strength and they failed. Israel failed as a nation. Um, uh, a, a Cain failed as a person when God warned him, as Tanshia had rightly said, God rent, warned Cain, sin is lying at the door and it wants to have control over you, but you must master it. And he did the wrong thing. And sin uh, caused Abraham to collapse. Sin caused uh, uh, Eve to collapse. You know that. She should have did the right thing in the temptation. She didn't. Sin caused David to collapse. Sin caused Samson to collapse. Sin caused Peter to collapse. Uh, And here's how Paul brings about a clarification of God allowing trials and God managing them when we cooperate with God's management process. Look at verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you. And the implication right there is to be caught by the temptation. But such is as common to man so that we will never be able to argue that my temptation is outside of the scope of any other person's experience in the world. 
But because God is faithful, he will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able to uh, above that which you have the ability to, but will with that temptation also make a way of escape. And that becomes the hinge pin that brings qualification to the trial that comes and goes beyond your limit limit or capacity, which was obviously the case with Abraham, obviously the case with David, obviously the case with Peter, and obviously the case with you and me. When a trial comes into our life and drives us away from God into sin and we collapse or if the trial does what it's supposed to do, weighs on us so heavily that it runs us to God. Now we move into the modifier, but with that temptation, he will also make a way to escape. That is, what is the escape? The escape is us coming from up under that temptation alone so that in seeking God's help, he resources us with himself so that us together, God and I, with his wisdom and with his counsel, with his advice and with his power, gives me the capacity to address or deal with that temptation in a way that does not result in me collapsing. Every time I collapse, it's because I have failed to recognize that that trial was to drive me to my need for God. Does that make sense? I love it. Does Very it make sense? So. so the so the key the key is to is for us to really depend on God, even when it seems really really hard, is to drive us to depend more on the Lord. And 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 really, there will be trials that He will allow us to overcome in the strength that He has provided, but that is not the particular trial that comes by which He in that in the moment in which it becomes too heavy for us. The escape hatch is for us to turn to him for refuge, to flee to Christ for strength. God is a very present help in time of trouble. Make our refuge in God when it becomes too heavy for us. And God is right there to help us uh, manage that trial that is overburdensome for us. It brings glory to God when we recognize this trial here is too heavy for me, but not too heavy for God. Amen. But but God will often give us trials that we can bear. And when we discover that we can bear them in that particular context, Arbus, God has given us grace to grow. We still give him glory for giving us the the, the maturity and wisdom and power to overcome a trial. Uh, and we say, Lord, thank you for the grace to do that. But there will be the ones that will come. And I can tell you, the enemy is shrewd and he is very wise on the areas of weakness in all of our lives. And when Christ said to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. He has desired to sift all y'all as wheat. That includes you and me. And where God will allow that sifting to occur, to break us down and to diminish our strength and to tempt us to do something that's contrary to God's will. Remember, a trial should drive us to God. A temptation will drive us away. When I am inclined to go away from God, that's when I really need to call on God so God can usher in his resources to help me to be able to deal with that temptation where the outcome is God's glory and my my edification. Thank you for the call, sis. 
I got to take another break. When I come back, I'll deal with um, Wanda, uh, Chris and Wanda on this Monday edition of Lifeline. Two lines open, one 367 1-888-367-5329. Love to hear from you. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we're back the time, 641. Let's go to line number three and talk with Chris and Seaside. Chris, are you there? Yeah, how you doing, Pastor? I'm um, great. Yeah, I was just listening to the conversation, and I agree with the with um, a lot of stuff that you were talking about on the in the last call. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think for me um, personally, it depends on you know the person I'm talking to, whether or not they're saved or not saved. If they're saved, then you know I feel like you know. I have the opportunity just to remind them that, you know, Christ and the Holy Spirit is with us. Right. And that, you know, in that, in those situations, we need to, we need to rely on Christ. We need to call out to Christ and ask him, you know, to be with us and guide us. I mean, I've had, um, you know, death in my family. Um, also, you know, recently I was in a motorcycle accident and, um, at the time I ended up getting thrown off my motorcycle and I flew into a tree mm-hmm. and, you know, at, honestly, at the time when I was, I was laying there, I thought, yeah, this might be the time I, I'm, I may end up dying. Right. But the only thing that, you know, that helped me be able to get through that was that I, I have a relationship with, relationship with Christ. And I've had, I felt, you know, just a sense of calmness to know that if this is my time, then I'm not going, I'm not dying. My body's not dead. I'm going, you know, to be with Christ. So, and I knew that my family was okay because I knew that, you know, that I had taught them that their faith isn't in me, their faith is in Christ, and no matter what happens, they're still going to be able to continue and make it through it. Absolutely. And it was, it was, you know, just looking at, like, David, Joe, and, you know, um, even, um, um, oh, man, I'm drawing a blank, but... um, Peter. The one that... Well, no, the, the disciple, the first disciple that was thrown after Acts. Um, Stephen. Uh, Stephen. Yeah, Stephen. Yeah. When, you know, just through all those, you know, that gives you the, the strength to know that people have been through trials and tribulations, and the Spirit has been with them, and they were able to overcome it, and it gives you the strength to know that, you know, they can kill the body, but they can't kill the soul. So, you know, and that's important. I think for the non-believer... You know, just to go out there and, and, and tell them about the Samaritan woman that Jesus was at the well and he talked to her and that they can have the, you know, that living water and that will give them, you know, that peace to be able to, you know, to make it through that. And I know, like, when you don't have God and you don't want to accept them, I don't know, I, I don't know any other answer than, you know, because now you're allowing Satan to, to do with you as he will. I agree but with you fully. I agree with you fully that, um, uh, Chris, I agree with you fully that the unbeliever does not get to claim this promise that we have in first Corinthians chapter 10, verse uh, 13. It does not apply to him, her or them. While as yet they are in rebellion against God, uh, there is no temptation that comes upon them that they can pass. 
There's no temptation by which they can stand. There's no temptation by which they can overcome ultimately because they don't have God on their side. And it does not glorify God for them to uh, overcome a temptation without giving him glory for it. So I fully agree with you on that. I'm glad you are doing better as well uh, coming through that particular trial with the motorcycle accident. And I'm thankful that you called and helped us uh, address this topic as well. Thanks for the call. Um, let me go to line number two and talk with Wanda before I take a break. Wanda, what say ye? Hi, Pastor Jesse. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am wonderful. This is my second time calling in, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got my paper and pen because we're gonna go to we're gonna have Bible study. I always have it when I talk to you. Okay. So, um. Touching on this, he won't put any more uh, on you than you can bear. I Nowadays, I ask people, where is that found in the Bible? Um, that's uh, growing up. I'm, I'm apostolic now. Uh-huh. And growing up, I would always hear it in the Baptist churches. It sounds cliche-ish to me, and it sounds religious to me. Uh-huh. When it talks about in the Bible, and I don't know exactly where it's found, Pastor Jesse, but I'm sure you do. It said, we esteemed him um, um, smitten and stricken of God, and yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. That tells me that in the suffering of Jesus Christ, I don't think anyone, any of us have been crucified, literally. So to me, that is the ultimate pain, and that is what God put on Jesus Christ, correct? In some, in some extent, so I'm going to back up now because you created a little bit of a problem. Crucifixion was a prominent expression of torture and capital punishment in the day of Christ. In fact, he was not crucified by himself, A.D. 33, Nisan 14, which would have been about April 3rd or April 4th uh, on Passover. At that time, he was crucified between two thieves. That means two other men went through what he went through in the physical This is where when we talk about Christ's crucifixion, we go much deeper, uh, 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 Wanda, than the physical sufferings of Christ, albeit. And and therefore, if you really wanted to do a historiography on crucifixion, you would discover that many people lived after being crucified for several days because it was a long, tortuous death. And so we could say that a lot of people have experienced crucifixion. I would also say in the matter of torture and death that people have experienced worse things than crucifixion, uh, such as dismemberment while living, while intentionally being kept alive. Many other things uh, to boot. But getting back to the fundamental uh, question of, you know, he will not allow you to bear up under more than you can handle. I think I agree with you fully that that is a cliche in the church. And we have demonstrated that with most of the callers. But where you are hinting along with others about what Jesus went through, we want to be very careful about that. There is no moral or experiential equivalent on our part to what Christ went through. And that is to say, we don't ever even come remotely close to enduring what he did. Um, It's not even possible. He bore the sins of all those who would believe on him from the beginning of time to the end of time, an infinite amount of sin where God's wrath was poured upon him. And you quoted it, 53, 12. It pleased the Lord to bruise him, to put his soul to grief, to make his soul an offering for sin. That's the only place 
in the universe where God was pleased in a trial because he knew that his son would have all the resources to endure that trial. And yet I would say this to my dear sister and everyone else listening. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 applied to Christ too. Because if you note it, when Paul says there is no temptation that is not common to man because God is faithful and he will not allow you to go through that beyond your ability without making a way of escape. Well, Jesus sought help from the father in the garden of Gethsemane and the angels strengthened him in order for him to make his journey to Golgotha and stay on that cross while he was enduring the wrath of God, while he was enduring the carpings of men, while he was enduring all forsaking him and abandoning him, while he was enduring the equivalency of hell. This is a phenomenal weight and it required an infinite power to stay on that cross, which he did in the behalf of all who would trust in him. There is no human equivalency to that suffering. There is an analogous equivalency in that when you and I ask for God's help, and you know this to be true, it doesn't matter what the trial is. If we really seek God's help in that trial, he will give us the strength to escape it in order that we might be able to bear it. And therefore, we don't have to be guilty uh, of trying to bear a trial all by ourselves uh, without God's help and without God's promise, as is often asserted by religious folk. Now, I'm going to give you the last word because I got to take a break and pay another bill. Okay. Thank you, Pastor Jesse. Bless you. All right. I got to take a break. I'll be right back with our last caller, Armando from Fremont. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we're back. Um, we're about to close our program. Let's go to line number one and talk with Armando in Fremont. Armando, your question on our topic tonight, sir. Oh, hi. Real quick. Um, what about a Christian, a good Christian, I say a practicing Christian, doing the best they can, the very best, and then end up um, in pain, you know, suffering some, some bearable uh, uh, pain? And uh, and something unbearable that he can no longer bear, and he en- ends up committing suicide. Well, looks like that there was put on him more than he could bear. He ended up committing suicide because he couldn't take it anymore. That's the question. Mm-hmm. Yes, great question. Very, uh, very logical question and very deeply probing question. I'll make a couple of observations. One is. I'm so thankful that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is a gospel that takes care of all of our sins when we trust him as Lord and Savior, past, present and future, including the sin of suicide. The Bible nowhere ever makes the unpardonable sin that of suicide. The unpardonable sin is a rejection of the person and work of Jesus Christ as God as man, as the one mediator between God and man, and as the sole grounds of our acceptance before God on the basis of grace through faith, and that not of yourselves, so that our salvation in total is the consequence of the work of the triune God in redeeming us from all iniquity through Jesus Christ. Faith in Christ, real authentic faith in Christ, secures us for all eternity, no matter what sins we commit. 
The only sin that would be uh, qualified to reject us from eternal blessing would be the sin of unbelief. And the true believer can never, ever commit that unpardonable sin. That means as horrible as um, suicide is self-murder, it is not an unpardonable sin. Hallelujah. All manner of sin will be forgiven men except the sin of blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. Now, let's briefly talk about a brother or sister. And I could take the time to deal with multiple scenarios, Armando, my military brothers in war out on the battlefield, uh, shot down, shot up on, on the brink of being completely massacred and tortured and just seeing no way out of that situation, give themselves mega doses of, of morphine or heroin as they would have them in their pack and supply for pain and suffering. Or in many cases, acts of fellow soldier, which used to be case uh, be the case many times to 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 end their suffering. I'm ready to go to God. In the area in which people uh, would be inclined to want to commit suicide, they are committing a sin of assuming that they have no way of escape except for ending their suffering by taking their life. Unfortunately, we would not agree with their conclusion because we would be sure that unless they are in a situation, as I described, where they are about to be tortured by a merciless enemy. And even then, uh, there are qualifiers there. But for us to take our own life is to narrow the door of escape and shut it and say the only way out is for us to um to kill ourselves uh, with with drugs or um, some horrible method of self-murder because we want to end the pain and suffering. I am utterly and totally sympathetic with what they do, but they fail to employ Armando God's way of escape by seeking every resource they possibly could. Doctors, psychiatrists, prayer, the family of God, multiple opportunities they could have used to look for outlets by which they could have been able to manage that deep, painful, difficult trial. But they got tired. They got wore out. They got they got weary. I fully understand. No judgment here. You're not going to get an ounce of judgment here from me. I'm going to be completely sympathetic with that brother or sister who says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And to be immediately overcoming my pain and suffering where there's no sorrow, no crying, no tears. I would be completely sympathetic because I don't like pain. I really don't. Uh, But what we would have to say is they chose not the broad door of multiple options by which they could endure it. We will leave that choice to them and thank God for a salvation that does encompass the weakness of self-murder in the area of suicide and we'll let God be true. Thanks for the call. Thanks for that question. Until next time, keep your eyes on Christ. God is faithful. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. 
Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.